happened? Why did you come out at that time? Why did you feel the need to do that? Um, so come out at the peak of his career, basically to date. So when um, Old Town Road was still number one uh, as a part of its longing standing record as number one. So Kevin Hart interjects and says, he's gay, so what? Like literally, like he literally just says, he's gay, so what? Like, you know how he talks. So um, yeah, like he interjects and shrugs his shoulders, leans back into his, don't leans back, I actually physically did that. So I'm speaking into the mic, I'm speaking into the mic, um, leans back and says, he's gay, so what? Like, and then, um, oh God, this episode is probably going to be called that now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Alert The Stands. You are here today with your host Eats McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and we are missing a third string. Um, so Shopee is currently in San Francisco enjoying himself. I saw a few pictures of portraits and um, food and all these types of things whilst we're over here in cold England. Um, but yeah, I mean, dark nights. we're missing him obviously, um, but we're going to make it the episode as good as we can. Nick, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so obviously it's Saturday. Had a good weekend so far. Uh, don't see it. Chapter two. Basically, went to see that last night. It was a pile of shit. Really, um, <laughs> pile of shit. I was a bit torn on the first one. Like it was okay, but the second one was just a uh, like film full of fucking jump scenes and all that shit. Like it just wasn't. And new horrors just tend to have this thing where they just do loads of jump scenes and not like plot progression, music. Stuff that the old horror films like Candyman, I love it. Jordan Peele's recreating it for next year. You're always talking um, about that. Always talking about it. Um, But if he fails to deliver, I'll be pissed off. I'll be really pissed off and I'll make it vocal that I'm pissed off. (laughs) But um, yeah, it chapter do guys, save your money, please. Like we're in a capitalist society. (laughs) Save your coin. Save your money, (laughs) you know. Boot, actually, they would not advise them, <laughs> but wait till it officially comes out, all that kind of stuff, and then watch it. So you don't need to see that. But besides that, we going well. Um, interviewed Jacqueline Knight, that's on The Voice, and wrote something about Brie Runway on Trench Magazine. So go take a read of those. Um, both incredible talents in their own right, and just changing things for both the UK because. Jacquel actually wants to work with Jay Huss um, and has been in touch with his team. So it's really dope if he does get to do stuff. Mm. Um, choreographer, um, if you don't know who Jacquel Knight is, Beyonce's choreographer, choreographer to many such as Tanache, um, etc. Um, helped with Big Sean's VMA performance and he's been in the industry for years. Guy behind Single Ladies and Coachella. So yeah, he wants to work with Jay Huss and basically work with uh, men in the industry now and help choreograph um their videos and stuff like that and staging so hopefully that works with jay haas um he's been talking to his team allegedly so we'll see what happens with that but yeah i'm having a good week how are you i'm good um i've just come back from brighton um so just kind of like a news flash for anyone that's li- like listening to this sorry um we recorded this episode yesterday <laughs> didn't know if we were gonna mention <laughs> yeah, it no but... no no we'll mention it so we recorded this episode yesterday and then what when we were saving it for some reason the file corrupted and we couldn't find uh, Nick or I, our, our vocals. Um, so we just have to basically re-record it again, which isn't the end of the world. Um, I came straight from Brighton. I mm. was going to spend the day there anyway. And we just decided we'll just do an episode today um, as we're 
trying not to miss a Tuesday, um, yeah. even when our third string Chope um, is missing. But I'm good. Um, as I said, I went to Brighton um, with two of my close friends, Alex and Oni. Um, How was it? Yeah, it was really, really good. It was a nice break. Um, getting away from London's nice. Yeah. And kind of just being away from like loads of noise with like your friends is really nice. And like being on a long drive and just listening to music or talking to each other is, yeah. is always really nice. And um, so that was a good day. And then, yeah, the rest of my week's been good. It's been really busy. Mm. One thing I wanted to talk about was um, teamwork. And the idea of like working together towards things. Yeah. Um, so earlier this week, I had a colleague who received like, it was like five o'clock. It was a Friday um, and we were just about to leave. And then suddenly her boss sent her like a thousand documents to print just before we we're supposed to go. Mm. So her being new, she had kind of like a panic thing. And she turns to one of our colleagues and she's like, oh, can you help me? And then from there, um, she turned to me and I helped get other people as well. And we kind of helped her print it and get it within the time that she needed it to. Yeah. But um, the reason I mentioned that is because from that, I learned a lesson about teamwork. Uh-huh. And um, even when it comes to this podcast, there's certain things that we all do individually, which makes this podcast work. Mm. And um, I just find with like teamwork, it's very important in life in general to have good people around you. Yeah. Um, so for this podcast, for example, we have Shopper who writes the copy. Um, Nick, who um, handles all the guests. He um, handles all the social media posts. Well, yeah, all of them pretty much. Try to. Yeah, you try, try to. to. <laughs> um, and most of the marketing, um, Nick put a plan together that we actually follow on like Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then there's me, I edit the episode or I coordinate ed- yeah. editing or mastering the episode yeah. um, along with some other things as well. But it's just like the one thing that I wanted to kind of bring to this podcast today in terms of like feeling good and stuff is having good people around you mm. and just making sure that the energy that is kept around you is consistent with what you want to do. Yeah. Um, this podcast would be very difficult if I had two other people that didn't want to do it. Mm. And in general, I believe life would have been difficult for my colleague if she didn't have very helpful yes. people around her. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, teamwork definitely is something that I want to bring to this podcast today. Um, might seem like a really random thing to say, but honestly, life lessons um mm. very important but other than that i'm really good mentally i've been in a good place therapy has been really good um taking time out to make sure that i'm looking after myself mm. and just listening to some really really good music um speaking to some really cool people mm. and this podcast seems to be reaching some really really interesting ears as well so yeah um yeah i'm good man that's I'm good. good i just want to echo teamwork as well like shop eden been amazing this year like it is um our year anniversary we're recording on it's really weird that we're not all here yeah but um it's been a year and the fact that eden like non it wasn't strategic and um, brought up teamwork in this episode is really crucial and mm-hmm. important so i think yeah we've all done a brilliant job this year we've worked through some incredible obstacles incredible highs as well incredible lows but um we've come together and made sure that we produce quality content for you guys which is part of the reason why we're sitting here recording this episode because we were debating i was like eden it's not your fault because um eden's quite a perfectionist mm. i hope you don't mind me saying no, this. I so I, I managed that by literally letting him know and min Chope does too like it's not his fault because it genuinely isn't but mm. i think vocalizing that does something and it's important to always say what you feel because that person won't know how you feel. He could have thought I left Friday feeling pissed off. Mm. Like, oh my God, like Eden again, like, or because it's not Eden's fault, it's technology. Yeah. And literally we back up so many times. Yeah. Eden's always, part of his perfectionism is him checking halfway through the show, is him going back on the computer. This was literally just an error on Apple or mm. Logic's behalf or whatever. But um, 
Yeah, the fact that teamwork, we all can come together and acknowledge some people, our strengths, sorry, and together our weaknesses and combat that and develop and get better and learn to help facilitate one another. Mm. So definitely um, echo Eden's sentiments of that this wouldn't work Mm. without all of us and going forward, it won't work without all of us. And even shout out to all the people who have helped us along the way. Shay for the artwork in season one, two. Mike's for the season work now. Um, What's his name? Bloody hell. The person (laughs) that it will be in the copy. It always is. The person that does the production um, for our theme tune, you know, gave it to us for free. Mm. Literally all of the people I'm mentioning didn't charge us. Aaron, of Mm. course everyone who's come together um eat square suite studios who've given us free sessions at half of the, at least half of the time yeah um ryan obviously who heads that up is is brilliant so we've all come together the part of the reason we're able to even record this episode is because ryan has the facilities for to us to do that yeah for um not for free but even like we've got we've got the facility and time. We've got a length of time to use it all the time. There's never been an issue. Yeah. So shout out to every single person that has helped us with that's pod and mm-hmm. who continues to give us feedback. You guys even who just DM individually and they count on a whim just to give us feedback. You guys got us to a phenomenal position on um, Apple Podcasts as well with um, the feedback you gave as well. Alex, who continues to promote us everywhere he Mm. goes. um, So yeah, it's been an incredible year. We haven't planned anything as yet, but we are working on that to celebrate. Um, But thank you. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been a part of this process and who will continue to be in the years, year to come, whatever. But um, yeah, let's get on with the show. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take Sharpay's limb for this week. So we're going to say what we have been listening to, whether that's good, bad, indifferent, everything that has influenced us this week that we want to talk about. We are going to talk about, I'll start and quickly breeze through a couple of suggestions um, because they were all good in my case. So I would say the first one is an oldie, but a goodie. And it was released about 10 years ago. Again, not strategic, but this is Rihanna's Rated R. Now this was an album that was really different to her um, trajectory beforehand. She described the Rated R sessions as therapeutic um vitriolic raw rough and the end product was about as brutal as you can expect and you can definitely hear that across the set the um 13 track set which spans across 52 minutes includes some of rihanna's most intriguing vulnerable um and aggressive tunes um in her career so we've got the likes of hard featuring jeezy and interestingly actually i've jeezy released the album a couple weeks ago and i was sitting there and i was like Jeezy rarely gets mentioned unless you're a proper hip hop head is one of the like origins of trap music and that scene in the south of that whole trap scene the old sounds of how it used to sound in um tip so ti's era um gucci man's older discography and stuff like that Jeezy never gets a mention but um he definitely influenced the scene and i feel like he he continues to kind of come back with his iconic sounds like he's he's very iconic and it's kind of it's ironic that he's rarely mentioned in popular culture. Like, I think, I feel like it's more a bespoke, a DJ Booth would mention him, for example, but like a New York Times might not mention him in that, in that kind of same vein. But he adds a lot to hard. He's, he's instantly recognizable as soon as you hear him. But yeah, made that track really well. Wait Your Turn is again, really experimental for Rihanna here. Loads of different Sonics um, in the, in the kind of play. There's Rockstar 101. Um, which has a strong kind of 
electronic um, and rock influence in it. And I, I, I'm, it's featuring Slash as well. I just think Rihanna really christens herself as an artist in this moment in time in her history as someone who can do multiple things and kind of transcend that typical pop lane that you would think of the likes of, you know, Umbrella, um, the likes of What's My Name, etc., etc. She really expands into a different um, form of self there. Love Russian Roulette, love the concept of it, love the visuals. Um, Rude Boy, again, homage to her Caribbean roots. And I feel like in every single album or most of her albums, she always pays homage to her Bayesian roots, um, which is which is beautiful to see. And the rumoured album coming out is meant to be even more of that sonically, um, to be a whole set full of um, Caribbean genre-inspired um, tracks. So it's exciting. It's really exciting. But yes, this is the album Mina, who obviously we spoke about with um, Lizzo last week about Lizzo about Lizzo with yeah, yeah involved um, she specified to me that she thinks that this is going to be Rihanna's Velvet Rope and I 100% after close um, kind of thinking about it think that this is definitely the midway point of Rihanna's career to mm-hmm. date and it kind of is that side where she unravels everything and it's like I'm this darker chick now like in terms of um, just her most yeah her deeper her darker self and actually I think her album Anti follows in that same trajectory it kind of picks up where Rated R left off um, she had a few albums in between that but yeah just a brilliant set then I'm going to quickly breeze through Brandy's 211 which was released in 2012 now I had an old blog not going to say the name but um just because i'm embarrassed of the writing back then but um yeah i used to love our well i still do love r&b and hip-hop and that was dedicated to just me talking my shit and blogging my thoughts on that so i included 211 as well as frank ocean's channel orange solange's true ep and uh, miguel's kaleidoscope dreams which if anyone knows me i tweet about that every couple of weeks my heart my soul love miguel that's his best album in my opinion and in most people's opinions um but yeah those albums I highlighted that year just because they really helped because R&B was in a tricky spot back then. It wasn't as popular. Hip hop had dominated um, in mainstream consciousness. R&B was still alive and kicking, but in the mainstream hip hop had usurped it almost. And Brandy helped to kind of keep that flag alive and she was coming back and she hit number three on Billboard, which was monumental for an artist who'd been out 15 plus years at that time um, and had been a bit quiet prior to returning. So love the album. Again, vocal Bible, vocal arrangements. We all know Brandy is that chick. Um, and she leads the way for vocalists. Um, Jojo has shouted her out in her career. Jessie J has. Kalani, she says she's her idol. Um, she recently tweeted, actually, she collaborated with her, her idol of idols and loads of people speculate that it is Brandy. But yes, I digress. Um, some of the songs I love on this is So Sick, Wildest Dreams. Um, Amber Streeter, actually, which is Seven Streeter, had a big writing hand in this set. Um Scared of Beautiful, which was written by Frank Ocean and a team of other writers, I believe is a, the better version. Um, Brandy's version of the vocals is the better version because Frank recorded it as well. Um, so again, this 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 album really has no fillers for me. It's beautiful. It's beautiful from Wildest Dreams right down to the outro. So yeah, Brandy, brilliant job and you will always be remembered. In fun fact, 211 was named after Whitney Houston's either birthday or passing. I forget. But um, if you didn't know, Whitney was a huge mentor to both Brandy and Monica. And um, if you didn't know, they filmed Cinderella together. So Brandy and um, Whitney. So that's that. Um, On Chill, I recommended last week, but I really love the song after actually taking closer examination. Wale is back. He's making 
making big waves on the Billboard Hot 100. I think he's in top 60 now. Um, and he sold, I think, over 200,000. So brilliant record, brilliant comeback. He's finally found a lane. Um, said this last week, but I just want to really shout it out so people in the UK just listen to it. Really strong track. And um, again, last one is, is he real by this new rapper? Well, not new, but new to mainstream called I Don't Know. Mm-hmm. He sounds a lot like Chance the Rapper to me on the set, but um, just he's he's completely different in terms of flow. He doesn't rap about the same things. Um, but w- one of the uh, highlights about this album is the transitions. Every song, I got about four songs into it at work yesterday and I was like, what song am I on? Like what actually has happened? And I, I was like, shit, I'm four songs into this project, about to be into number five, um, which is called 24. And... I don't know, just is killing it. Like the Sonics, it's like a story. It's like the audio version of a story in terms of a really good page filler, um, a a page turner even that you're just almost engrossed in it so much so that you don't even know what page you're on. Um, So yeah, he's really great rapper. I think 24 is the song that he really um, has lyrical ability, his best kind of showcase of that. I think Digital is a good track as well. And um, 4200 Choices, which is track number two. So that's a new rapper called I Don't Know. He used um, Beyonce's birthday um, as kind of a bit of album promo, just having a bit of fun with it. Nothing too um, rude in terms of Beyonce and everything like that. But that's my suggestions for the week. I'm going to let Eden take the mic because I've been talking for so long. But yes that's brandy um that was i don't know and then that was also what was the first rated r rated r by rihanna of yep. course so eden what have you been listening to um i don't have my phone because it's currently recording the podcast um <laughs> so i'm gonna try and remember off the top of my head what i said um so i recommended last week weston's new album which was weston volume two yeah um and i really really mess with this project Haley is definitely going to be a massive artist um across I think global, I think he has the potential to go global because his hooks and his voice is quite unique and it's very different to what we're used to. Um, and as a duo, I think Louis, Louis and um, Haley work really well together. Um, I'm interested to see what happens when Akel gets out of prison. Um, just to give some background quickly um, to American listeners or anyone outside of the UK who may not know who Western are. This is a group, their group is spelled W-S-T-R-N. Yep. Um, it's three people. So it's Haley. Louis and um, Akel. Yep. Akel is the younger brother of Angel, who is a singer in the UK. Mm-hmm. And um, he recently went to prison. Um, so Akel recently went to prison, I think, for um, breaking and entering or something along those lines. It was something, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, Haley and Louis are holding it down for him um, in their group. So Haley is the singer and Louis is the rapper at the moment. And they released their second project as a duo. And honestly, as I said last time, I'm definitely a Western stan. Um, their sound is really unique to me. Um, I originally didn't like the the kind of um, the contrast between Louis and Haley. Haley has quite high pitched um, singers type voice. Sorry, and Louis um, kind of has a very deep baritone type of voice um, when he raps. But they seem to work it out. They seem to have um, developed individual styles that work for this album. Um, I feel like Louis definitely works in his wordplay. He had like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday type um, uh, well, bars on, uh, I think it was a song called Four Year, one of the two. And um, Haley, in terms of his singing, has definitely tapped into his Caribbean roots. So on a song called Four Year... Um, is it four year? I think it's four year. Like I said, I don't have my phone with the notes and everything, but four year samples. Um, no, is it four year? 
Sorry, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. One of the songs, oh, sorry, it's Lights, Camera, Action. So Lights, Camera, Action, it hit the melody that Haley uses, samples. Nick, you're going to have to remind me what the song's called. The song goes... That one. Keep talking about it and I'm going to get it again. It's an old Jamaican song. Left Side Tucking Your Belly. Yeah, Left Side Tucking Your Belly. And Haley sampled or uh yeah sampled the melody for this track yeah. um and i noticed that straight away um and he definitely kind of taps into that and i think western as a group definitely tap into the jamaican roots um yeah. louis definitely um uses patois in some of his rhymes and um on a song called foyer unrelated to patois um they sample what sounds like a um chord progression from Beyonce and Jay-Z's Bonnie and Clyde. And I think as a project, this is really, really, really good music. Mm -hmm. Really good music. I've played it every single day since the last time I recommended it. It came out last, well, the Friday before last. Um, And I've just been playing it every single day. It's really, really good. Really recommend it. That is Western Volume 2. Definitely check it out. Let us know what you think. D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Trying to think what else I had. Heady One. Yes. So Heady One has a road has a song called Music X Road, and um, Heady One is a rapper from Tottenham. If you don't know who he is, and um, he's kind of known as the guy that's in the drill arena right now, that's making it mainstream. Mm-hmm. And he reached number nine or number six, I want to say, in the number UK, six. number six in the UK music chart um, with a song called Eighteen Hunter featuring Dave, um, who you might know, featuring on. Um, if, if you're from outside of the UK, you might know he featured with Drake on a song called Wanna Know. Um, but Dave is pretty big around the world now. Um, he's doing incredible. He's going to be in Top Boy, which comes out in September. I think it's the 12th. Um, so next week. With a few other UK rappers. Definitely check that out if you're unfamiliar to that. It's on its third season, um, produced by Drake, mm-hmm. um, featuring Ashley Waters from So Solid Crew and Kano. Um, and speaking of Kano... Um, I listened to that as well. So it's been a very busy week in terms of listening to music. I've definitely gone in and out of so many different projects. Um, the ones that stood out to me are definitely heady ones. Um, heady one got me for a very busy day. Um, I'm not really a drill type of guy, um, but I'm kind of just leaning into it, just, in, just borrowing the energy and whilst doing spreadsheets and all those types of things that you do at your daily job. Um, but I would really recommend it if you, if you like fast paced music, if you like um, UK rap, Heady One is definitely headlining the way for the new school. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm really interested to see where he goes with his sound. Yeah. Um, on this album, you'll find collaborations with Skepta, um, Dave, um, so many different artists that you might recognize. But honestly, give it a go. So it's Heady One, Music X Road. Mm. Um, and then lastly, like I said, Kano. So Kano's project. Um, Nick, what's the project called again? Fam. Like, <laughs> I need to get that up. Do you know how much music has dropped? Hoodies all summer. Yeah, hoodies all summer. That's it. So um, that's really good. I haven't really digested that properly. Um, there is a, a talk with a, a Carla mm-hmm. on. Um, so Akala is another UK rapper in um, the YouTube space where they talk about the project and what inspired it. There's a lot of um, topics revolving around knife crime because the knife crime in the UK is a massive topic in the UK right now. And the UK government is fucking that up with um, chicken boxes, which doesn't make any fucking sense. But again, Boris Johnson is prime minister. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a really interesting album. I haven't had the opportunity to take it in properly, but in terms of legendary status, 
Kano is definitely cemented in the UK scene. Yeah. Um, he is just an incredible force. The fact he's so still plugged into his area, he still loves his area. The, his music is still very current. Um, and the new school who may not even know about him still seem to like his music from people that I've spoken to. So 100%. I would recommend those three products for sh- projects for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and let us know what you think of our recommendations. Um, D-A-T-S-P-O-D. And those are my recommendations. Definitely. I just want to say on Kano, I think that he, the lyrically, I've heard it um, a couple of times. Definitely still got it, still had it, been had it, will always have it. Uh, (laughs) In his bag, lyrically, like one of the gods of the scene. Like Mm -hmm. literally you cannot mention the scene without mentioning his name. That's disrespect. Basically, he's like literally still alive and kicking and still doing it in the midst of seeing justice on a major platform. And just on an interesting note about album listening parties, because he had an album launch um, with Beats in collaboration that good friends of the podcast, um, Jesse Renard, and then obviously Nathaniel from a group chat. um, Swim Dem. Went to Swim Dem crew, got to shout them out. Um, And it looked so interactive, so good, so inspiring. And it it just makes me have faith in multifaceted campaigns that are gonna you know continue to run in the uk i think h was another one who had a quite interactive experience it was really interesting when you get investment and budget um gets had a really interesting one that shantae another friend of the podcast went to last year it looked great at spotify space um so i just think shout out to the uk artists who are getting finally like um our quote unquote urban which i hate to use but um you know what that encapsulation all that means so basically mm-hmm. drill uk rap uh, Afro swing in there as well. Um, when they get the budgets and when they get it right, Brie Runway had an interesting one I saw on Instagram too a couple of weeks ago. I think it's so cool when they push for that and their teams really just try and interact because I think when you put that on, it just makes people in the industry um, who may be reviewing you, who may be watching you, may be seeing you or fan experiences because some now mix in the fans with that, which is brilliant in my opinion. I think it just makes that difference to who you are and your relatability and just being like down to earth and just able to connect with the people that connect with you and just getting feedback and all that kind of stuff. So I'm definitely a fan of live experiences when they're creative and tailored and I'm starting to finally see um, some more of that with Mm. the brands that are working around music now. So hopefully if they just continue to be genuine and invest and stuff like that, we can get more of that for so many more that deserve it. You know what I mean? And Heady One for the marketing, great as well, which Mm. I've mentioned last week um, in our episode with John. John. Um, So yeah, brilliant. I just think the UK, I think I said this at um, BuzzFeed the other day, we were at the summer social. I think we're just in a space right now where in five years time, I feel like the people you know shout out to even this is i digress but yinka yaboni forgetting the morning show on capital extra like come on mm. big moves we're all out here and i think we all want better yep. so i think why the once the right clogs they're in place now they're becoming to be in place i think in five ten years time the next decade we're in 2020 in a couple months we will see a shift mm. it's happening you yeah. know dave's psychodrama like all these kind of um little sims doing stuff at the roundhouse i think it's just so cool to mm. see curated experiences and like eden's interest is like tech and all that kind of stuff how brands are working around that so i think we are just going to start to see a lot more 
creativity as well start yeah. to be mixed into the palette too so shout out to all those artists pushing for more um multi-functional marketing 360 mm. experiences because that makes all the difference to the buzz around your yeah. campaign i mean gets had a fantastic rollout because of the multifaceted aspects that were moving in his in his experience so yeah i just wanted to say that yeah but, and just sorry just to add to that um on. on the idea of like the uk scene doing quite well um check out a tv show that's currently on bbc three online called UK Rap Game. Oh yeah. Um, yeah so yeah. that is featuring um Crapton Crap- Conan. Conan and it's basically trying to find someone that they can sign to their label Play Dirty. Um and it's just like I I really enjoy it. Like the people mm. that are on it are good. They're actually good contestants. There's seven of them. One of them is Scottish, so it's inclusive of everyone yeah. around in the UK. It's good. Um obviously uh, actually it's not because there's no one from Ireland or Northern Ireland. Or uh, is there anyone from Manchester and stuff? There's someone from Birmingham. Okay. Um, okay. There's someone from Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and there is a white guy and the rest of them are black and there's two women. Mm. Um, okay. That's but, so it is quite inclusive, but mm. yeah, it's not totally inclusive, but it's close. It's close. Do you know what? It um, started off on a good run. You can yeah. always, there's always going to be a critique, but yeah. it's good that I'm here in Birmingham, Scotland, yeah. women um, and racial kind of diversity. It's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Sounds cool. So um, I would definitely recommend that. Um, mm. It's really good to watch. And it's the fact that, these two rappers are able to be in a position now where they can select the talent. Whereas usually what happens is these rappers grow quite huge Mm. and then um, a label comes and snatches them up Mm. and then ruins their sound and they're left in the dirt. Um, I was going to name my eyes, but I'm not, that's, that's not fair. Um, But yeah. Why? Why can't you, why can't we discuss? Okay. That's fair enough. I feel like that happened to J1. So I feel like with J1 sound, um, he had a particular sound that he came into the game with. Um, um, just some background for listeners. J1 is a rapper. Um, I believe he's signed to GRM Daily. Yeah. And um, he released a song called, um, what's it called? I'm Taking Your Misses or something along yeah, those lines. Your, yeah. um, which yeah, was yeah, actually yeah, quite yeah. catchy when it came out, but his album wasn't well received by the UK um, in general, um, just because it was taught, people are saying that he sounded like Notes, he sounded like Stormzy, he sounded like all these different rappers and his flows and some of the topics he was speaking on weren't really, really interesting enough for an album um all of these different critiques so yeah i feel like that might be a position that he's currently in where he had a sound then he was picked up by a label and he's yeah. kind of gone off a bit hopefully he can come back i'm always for artists like learning from their mistakes or yeah. things that the mistakes that they've made and come yeah. back um but yeah there's a few cases like that actually so 100 even that resonated we can talk that talk it's mm-hmm. absolutely fine like it's happened to even crept conan even Crepticone, when they made that American album, it just didn't sound like them, sounded really... You think so? Diff- yeah, in, in my opinion, I could tell that was the Mustard era where Mustard was on every song. And it just sounded like they went into a studio, whether they got told or they requested, they wanted to American Breakthrough around that time. Um, it just didn't sound quite authentic or it just sounded like they were rushing hmm. to get, get gain some chart success to me chip is another example grand hustle records he was signed to ti um went to america collaborated with chris i like that song actually champion yeah. and then went to kerry hilson kelly no that was tiny time for kelly Ronan, but kerry hilson tiny um, um mavado etc etc trey, trey songs that's it another name it just didn't sound like the chip we know because chip is incredibly like chip is one of the most like in the the top 10 in the top 10 easily like of the most diverse and ability to be commercial in my opinion and commercial authentically um and we need to remember he owned our schoolboy eras like literally every rave bieber wise like he was out here um chip has put in work so he's an example of what you said 
made a few mistakes, in my opinion, as a critic, as a commentator, made a few mistakes, didn't quite sound like himself, although some of the tracks were commercial enough to sound okay. But he came back, he's worked his way back, he knew he had to get his own label, worked his own, his own stripes and all that kind of stuff, got in a few rap beefs in the way to just prove his lyrical ability and came back and we all now respect him in the same way he's done a complete 360 and I res- I love him for that. Mm. If I was to ever meet him, I would tell him that. I would literally be like, I love that you worked and built your reputation back up to where it was. Literally a lot of rappers sometimes go back to the drawing board and just do what made you known in the first place. And mm. his lyrics, his puns, his charisma, his ability to be humorous, you know, his energy on videos. He created some of the best videos for his time and unique concepts back then when it wasn't as creative as now. Um, Chip is, come on, Chip is one of the most creative and OG and mm. person. He can learn from mistakes as well. I see him tweet a lot and he learns, like even though there's a few missteps, we'd like with anyone with Twitter, but... He genuinely, when I see him at his best, he's interacting with the fans and interacting to actually improve. Do you know what I mean? He's a very open book. He'll take a few, he'll take a laugh, he'll take a critique. Mm. Um, and that's what the UK industry needs. And I think a lot of artists are doing that now. Stormzy's great at it too right now. Um, and I think Crepton Conan, even with the show, they're coming 360. And I think they, you know, came back to the UK and they're giving back. They opened their store. They did all of this. So genuinely, I think it's a great and healthier time than we, the healthiest probably we've ever seen um, for UK and getting above the ego and just creating quality content. So exciting times, exciting mm. times. And I'm really excited for the next five to 10 years to see what happens. Um, and it's great that a lot of genres, like we've had drill, we've had Afro swing, um, we only need just UK hip hop now to like really win on the charts and stuff. Um, but we've had so much diversity this year on the charts. Mm. It's mad. It's yeah. actually crazy. But um, yes, let's move into the news segment. Um, I know Eden, there's something new that kind of evolved in our news um, agenda today, which is really cool actually. Mm. But I'll let Eden unpack it because he was the one that suggested it. Yeah. So um, yeah, go for it. Um, so I just wanted to bring up quickly and it's going to seem very unprecedented. Um, <laughs> and the fact that Shopee isn't here giving me looks at the moment, I can feel them all the way from san francisco but this is a topic that's based around brent fires um so if you follow the podcast since the beginning you know that me and shoppe have had this beef about brent fires versus khalid for some reason it's versus uh for the longest time um but i'm actually gonna big brent fires up oh um oh great so i sent an article um by someone who listens to the podcast called anna and um she basically sent it to us and was like oh you guys should talk about this Basically, what it is, is Brent Fires has released the amount of money that he makes in a year. Mm-hmm. So he ta- he speaks about his progression as an artist, his money, and he's very open with the books, which is kind of taboo in the scene. We mm. never really know how much artists are actually making. We have net worths and stuff where we can look online. Every it's year. not always accurate. And net worth is more about what people have actually bought and actually own rather than how much money is in their bank account anyway. Um, but Brent Fires and his manager can't remember his name i apologize um but they opened the books up they spoke about the trouble that artists go through when it comes to um signing to a label so they said that quite a few labels have approached brent fires after he released um uh, nick help me out the gold link song i'm so bad with it oh um crew crew so yeah they released crew crew got nominated for a grammy didn't win it though um has over 100 i think millions of views um and after that off the back of that quite a few labels actually wanted to sign him but he said no to all of them um because 
they didn't like the royalty setup. I think it was about 18% he would own um, out of 100%. No. no. And um, his manager and him were both like, why wouldn't I own the majority of my royalties for my song? Um, and a lot of artists seem to be getting quite smart when it comes to um, just not signing with an artist just for the sake of it versus um, back in the day where if you got signed to a label, it was kind of this big thing. Um, it kind of, it, the trend seems to be the opposite now. You see it in the likes of Stormzy and the likes of AJ Tracy and in the, in the likes of um, Crapton Conan mm. or in the States, you've got um, Chance the Rapper or... Um, Black, even Black yeah. opened the books with DJ Booth as well. So yeah. it reminds me of that yeah. piece. Um, and even there's a story about Kevin McCall as well, which I've spoken about before where he speaks about yeah. his, his money. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to Brent Fires. So Brent Fires basically talks about... Um, how he operates and how he makes money. Um, he talks about how he makes about 25K. He made 25K in January through streaming. Mm. Um, so how streams work and everything and how they use the data from streaming. So when we click on a song, you are added to a pool of information that is sent to an artist. So Spotify actually share the information with artists. So if they need to know which countries actually mess with their music or which regions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and in this situation, what they do with that information is they locate super fans. So I think super fans are people that listen to your music within 45 days, I want to say, mm. um, repeatedly. And then they get that information and they take, they open a tour or they put ads um, towards people who live in that area who have listened to say Brent Fires or whoever and um, they open a show around there and they found it very successful and um, I think on the back of shows they've made around 30k per show and um, which is quite good if you're not Epic. included yeah you're not including um, a label etc etc and the manager takes about 20% of that but I just wanted to kind of bring it here because I think it's really nice to see that um artists are being more open with the whole journey mm. and because unfortunately you see a lot of artists that go into the music industry and um they kind of get lost in the glamour um there was a whole documentary about some rappers that didn't realize they were spending their own money when yeah. they go to restaurants they thought it was a label paying for things but they didn't realize that the label was actually just charging it to them they'll recoup yep they will always recoup um and even when you sign like you get money for a music video people think oh they're paying for a music video no you have to pay that back it's a loan <laughs> oh it's on loan um exactly um but it's nice to see that artists are being more open and they're talking about the difficulties of being mm. an artist mm. um and i salute Brent fires for that because it means that younger artists will be able to see new ways of actually making music and distributing it. Yeah. Um, and also we can understand the importance of using data to our advantage. I'm, I mean, we've looked at this podcast ourselves. We've looked at the data. We know our listeners. We know the people that actually listen to the podcast. And the reason why sometimes I break down some things for people outside of the US, or sorry, the UK, is because I know we have listeners in the US. Yeah. We have listeners in Canada. We have listeners yeah. in different countries. Um, and they're all different ages. Um, so having that information is very important because then you're able to navigate your content or your music or whatever you're doing just in general. Mm -hmm. um, and Brent Fires is amazing for actually just opening up and mm. talking about that. So I just wanted to bring it to the show, just to say thank you, I guess. Um, mm. And just to say well done to him because yeah. it's very important. I think it's very important. Yeah, I'll just contextualize. So obviously the mini doc was created by Vice News mm. and posted by their account on the 6th of the 9th, 2019. So I believe that is today, so Saturday. Mm. Um, the documentary is called This R&B Artist is Using Data to Find His Fans. Uh, and yeah, it's a Vice News Tonight special. So my thoughts on this is it's similar to Eden's. I think it's great that people are opening the books. It just echoes sense 
sentiments that the likes of Remy Ma has made on State of the Culture earlier this year about own your masters, own this. Um, Big Pun was the one that always told her, if I'm not in the room, you need to you need to get that deal to own your masters, which led to her recent deal with Columbia Records. She negotiated the ability to own her masters. Similarly, Nipsey Hussle, before he passed, had a deal with Atlantic Records, which specified that he owned his masters. It was a very special kind of deal. So artists in this day and age, like Blueface, for example, went on The Breakfast Club and specified that he didn't know the specifics of his deal. So it's just very trying times that like you can go viral one minute, like Crew did, and Brent Fires did in tandem with getting a Grammy nomination that same year or the year after um, and then getting the whirlwind of the noise from labels to publishing deals to writing deals to media spot cases and all this and it's important when you have the buzz on you to have a manager like Brent Fires' manager or to have your eye in as much of the knowledge as an artist as well. So I always say that the music business is a business as well as music, which is why I always have the ability to dissect both the business lens and then the music lens because um, even as a fan, I can sometimes see why business decisions are made to generate revenue. Do mm. you know what I mean? So with um, Brent Fires, the best way to maximize his own revenue streams, his manager's revenue streams, his team's revenue streams is to be educated as well. So every artist listening to this or every artist I come into contact with, I'm always like, do the reading as well. Like do the reading or even just articles like they can inform you um, specifics like on Forbes and stuff like that. And Music Business Worldwide is a great resource on the business lens. Um, Billboard Business as well is perfect for that too. But even, yeah, just with like um, lawyers, get the right lawyer in t- inside because some lawyers are there to just get their bag as well, which means like they could sample or license your music elsewhere that you didn't want mm. um, and you getting a smaller percentage of that. So you need to be on top of the books, on top of the banks, what people are spending, what people aren't spending for you because you do know like some artists will have a finance manager who will just be have license based on their contract to just okay things for you so you need to be on top of that make sure you're renewing contracts de uh escalating situations firing people who aren't right cardi b early on in her career where she went viral had to kind of um reinstate another financial manager because her current one was um spending money where it didn't need to be spent didn't need to be spent same with rihanna yes same with rihanna um, during midway through her career yeah that could have been a really that was one of the moments where she could have lost it all to be honest Mm. um so very great that we've got pioneers and upcoming talent who are still actually not even at their peak so brent fire still has a way to go and i believe he'll be even bigger Mm. um the fact that he's opening the books at this stage of career is so important because people who are up and coming on soundcloud spotify twitter whatever um or just doing the live circuit and the live scene it's important to know what you're getting yourself into and have your team ready from jump before you even blow because when you do have that moment it gets really steep really quick so having the team in place and the infrastructure from young and people you trust maybe that's not necessarily friends as well Mm. so you need to just have the business set up completely right to kind of be able to maximize your potential another thing i want to note is that again eden has just highlighted without even realizing that streaming versus touring we all know that touring look did you hear the money you know Mm. there's a 5k difference there that you specified touring is the dominant form of consuming fans and gaining new fans if you're targeted if you're smart if you use the streaming platforms and data which is why we see as such a um, nuanced way that artists tour some artists will tour the uk and just tour london some will tour london manchester birmingham some will just do london um leads some will do etc etc some will do scotland and then come over 
over here as well because they've got a bigger fan base over there. So you need to know your market. You need to know who um, who your team are. And fundamentally, you need to tour because that's where your bags are coming in. Like that is where your bag will come in and that is where you will get that advanced revenue um an advanced kind of play-by-play in terms of being an artist but yes great share eden loved it um and ultimately i think that it's very important that we um speak about the both the business side as well as just the audios that we've been listening to too so yeah yeah great great share and i'm actually going to watch the full documentary when i get home as well Mm. so yeah so next we're going to move into um what's been going on across the weeks so um We'll move on to Lana Del Rey, uh, who has had an interesting week for both highs and lows. So she's uh, definitely had success with um, Norman fucking Rockwell um, and the, the the kind of sales and the the kind of predicted sales to come and all of that. So she's having a really nice um, rollout with her latest album, one of which was having the um, honor of having esteemed critic and journalist um, Anne Powers. She's worked for the likes of. New York Times, NPR, which this particular review, which I'm about to read, comes from. She has a seasoned career in this field, okay? As a journalist, I acknowledge that she's had a seasoned um, career. Um, she's, I think she's uh, late 40s or 50s. Um, she, yeah, she's just done it all. Everything we've, we've, we're doing now, she's done it all um, and, and more. Um, so yeah, Anne Powers, her review, she tweeted a link um, on Wednesday to Norman fucking Rockwell's review for NPR, the official one. Um, and it was a, a deep dive to uh, Lana Del Rey's messy subconscious. So, um, yeah, that's the title of the, art- the article. Lana Del Rey lives in America's messy um, subconscious. Cool. So... Some of the quotes in this review, just contextualizing for you guys, um, at her most instantly compelling, this is Lana Del Rey, a pro asserting uh, her future spot in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but um, acknowledged that the album is a respiratory of masochistic outbreaths and bad golf flexes. Um, she wrote that Johnny Mitchell was a clear inspiration in Del Rey's pursuit of leg- legible expressiveness, but that in comparison, so this is Lana Del Rey in comparison to Johnny Mitchell, um, the younger singer's lyrics are uncooked. I use that word quite a lot in my reviews. Um, yeah, she uh, insisted that there's uh, Lana Del Rey was puzzled by Power's review ignoring that it was a privilege to have that review. But um, she said, here's a little side note on your piece. I don't even relate to one observation you made about the music. There's nothing uncooked about me. To write about me is nothing like it is to be with me. Never had a persona, never will. And Lana Del Rey then continued to say, so don't call yourself a fan like you did in the article and don't count your editor one either. I may never, never have made bold political or cultural statements before because my gift is the warmth I live my life with and the self-reflection I share generously. So Lana Del Rey was not happy, clearly, with this review. Um, There's been mixed opinions online. Uh, Anne Powers actually did respond as well um, in a very um, kind of, positive manner and said that she and she's happy that the kind of 
there's multiple opinions. She still respects Lana Del Rey, et cetera, et cetera. But one piece of opinion that I want to get and capture from the, um, the internet was from Trisha Romano. And she's been with the village voice. Um, sorry guys, a video just played in the background. Oh, sorry. Um, so no, it's fine. But um, yeah, she's worked with the Village Voice, tweets about politics, media, and the Seahawks, and yeah, she's a very esteemed um, veteran uh, in this kind of game as well. So what um, Trisha wanted to say about the Lana Del Rey um, backlash was, <clears throat> I want to say that Lana Del Rey is clearly not very smart or self-aware and doesn't understand what an actual music critic does brackets analyzes contextualizes and unfurls the music the artist for the times close bracket um but then i realized that she's not grown up with raw music criticism the form is mostly dead she speaks about music criticism here there are only a handful of exquisite practitioners most music writers working today are fans bloggers who never grew up reading the village voice and learning that you can treat pop music the way you treat literature to have Anne Powers who's literally one of the fucking greatest at this form take you seriously as an artist when basically no one really does because, <laughs> because sexism is a huge honor and for this artist flippant Flippantly dis- to flippantly dismiss it because it's not a fangirl article or because it talks about the personas that you obviously crafted is to tell on yourself. She then goes into context about Lana Del Rey crafting herself. So Lana Del Rey literally got plastic surgery, dyed her hair, wears Ooh. wigs, headpieces, and changed her name. She even lowered her singing voice. I'm not sure that's not crafting a persona why i like lana del rey's music i found her persona arresting the first time i heard and saw here um the first time i heard and saw here i was entranced i find her inability to think deeply about her others see her extremely depressing and telling but i suppose not surprising when Anne powers says this is an album that will land you in the hall of fame and you're mad because she did a deep dive and talked about the various personas as well as the music musical development of the artist in a complex way, question mark. She compares and critiques you next to the legend Johnny Mitchell. I remember when people were scoffing at how Lana couldn't sing and was a reverb and how she fell apart live on SNL and almost ruined her career. And when Ann Powers goes in and says, maybe the lyrics aren't Johnny Mitchell level great, but they work in their own particular way because you're a different and unique artist and your butt hurt. Well, then maybe you were just dumb and we've all been giving you too much credit and you didn't deserve, you don't deserve, sorry, to be taken so seriously at all as an artist. And then Ice Cube moving away fleas as a gif is her last utterance or visual form of utterance um so that was i really wanted to get captured up because that is someone obviously who's been working at village voice who's had an incredible career as well um and i definitely think that there are aspects of that that i definitely would echo and agree with now for context obviously i'm i'm not the biggest um lana del rey fan in fact i'm not a major fan of her or i haven't listened to these albums nor do i have the intentions to do so and this is not shade it's not that it's just facts i probably will not get around to this album i might hear Mm. a single here or there but i'm definitely probably not going to listen to this album so yes on trisha romano's comments on this whole debacle i think that she has a point we're in an era now where critics almost can't um can't specify their opinion really um it's actually a a sad state of affairs almost um and it's 
yeah, it's a sad state of affair. Um, and it's almost telling just the egos that are involved in the music industry right now from an artist's perspective. Now, opinion, obviously, can be taken left or right. You can have an opinion, you can have a counter opinion, it's fine, okay? Um, but to not respect people, and I think this is to a wider point, us journalists, we don't get respect, you know? Um, and it's not even about the ego thing. We want to be the most esteemed. We want a Grammy Awards. There's award shows for writing. There's obviously award things for writers and stuff like that but it's just not seen as as glamorous and all this kind of stuff like that um an artist easily toe in the line with journalists and writers um to the point where they can send death threats or send people to send death threats um someone's way now a big example of this we've spoken about this um a lot of times um Warner's world obviously this happened last year with Nicki Minaj um where the dm came out and then the backlash from the fans going as so far to take her uh, young daughter's pictures and say that we're gonna like do stuff to your daughter Rah. that's how far it got so there were death threats there were killing threats there's burn down your house they got the one as number i think it was as well um because she worked at um karen civil allegedly i don't know if it came from there allegedly that's where it seemed to be rumored to come, come from but um yeah that is the dark side of being a journalist and that's the dark side of putting your opinion on the internet i think lana del rey completely miscalculated the context of this like one review is not going to end your career in 2019 as far i can make a really calculated guess and say that it's not going to end your career in 2019 Mm. um especially if you have an established stand base like lana del rey does she's a critically acclaimed artist she has her lane she's won multiple awards for her discography she's fine she's good with one bad review and it wasn't even a bad review it was very nuanced it she she was she was she said she's gonna land in the rock and roll hall of fame that's a very big compliment that's a huge compliment to say that you're gonna end in that space so i think with lana del rey the ego took the uh, took place here and she told her herself really because lana del rey doesn't as she kind of stated she has actually stated political opinions so i don't know where that miscalculation came from from her but she's definitely tweeted this year in fact about donald trump yeah. <laughs> and gone sparred back and forth with azalea banks on politics so politics lana, make it make sense mm. make it make sense it doesn't um too many studio sessions maybe too many <laughs> you know i'm not gonna allegedly do anything but too many studio sessions um maybe too much music writing and not enough what you're actually doing but yeah anyway lana you have tweeted about politics but for the wider context um lana i just think it goes to show that actually you're you're immature you're immature and um for this deep artistic person that you are you don't respect someone else's craft which is really annoying to see it's kind of a contradiction in a in a frame of things um and i think you know she rarely tweets besides some commentary here and there which pertains to politics definitely um why did you have to tell on yourself in this way like you could have dealt with this in private this is what i'm saying as well loads of things can be dealt with in private as well i know it's a public piece of information so she probably felt i need to go public but 
if you respect someone else's craft, you can easily just DM them. You can request their number from their media. You could request it from NPR. You could send an email to NPR. I'm sure your people would know NPR's details because they send the PR and press release to these kind of publications. You could have hashed it out over phone as, you know, women, you know, two women in the game, you know, and this is not coming from a place of misogyny. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm just saying two respected women, two bosses in their respected lanes, you know, you could have just came together in that way um and spoke about it that way and it's the same when you know male rappers Kanye's come out against critics before it's just it's so pathetic like it really is like even earlier this year Iggy Azalea decided to throw criticisms to um the people who critiqued her album one of which was mine I saw my name in the Daily Mail I'm like I I was like um number one I don't mess with that platform and I can publicly say this on the platform I don't want to ever write for them I'm all good anyway but um I don't mess with them. And number one, I know their audience is incredibly aggressive and scary. Like, so like, not that I would be scared of getting a response, but it's almost like, I don't want that smoke. Mm. I'm really good. And to be honest, I took that on with this climate, knowing to write a review for a publication like Clash, I know it's going to get in some spaces. But why should we be subjected to the potential of death threats? Like you can come back and forth with me and say, Nick, I didn't agree with this. I'm happy to go back and forth in that way. But... Why would Lana Del Rey, she knows her fan base a stand. She knows she's got stands in there. She knows they go crazy, you know, take pictures of everything. But why would you know in this climate where you can signal your fans to almost do the day work for you? Someone like Beyonce who doesn't even tweet. Mm. People send death threats on her behalf. You know the context, Lana. You're not dumb. You are a very smart lass to completely can change your whole persona and make a music career out of it. Very smart lass. You know that if you come at someone publicly like that it it's a false equivalence to Anne coming at you because Anne's not got the type of fan base to my knowledge that would send you death threats or send death threats your way but you come into someone as an artist with the luxurious entertainment business context knows that stands are going to then come for Anne she's probably had Instagram things in her way Earlier this year, Beyonce literally doing a bad expression because she might have been tired or whatever it was to, the, to you know, an owner of a, was it NBA or football team, whatever, NBA, I think it was NBA, an NBA team's owner's wife mm. sent, she got death threats, mm. literally like for, for offering them drinks. Like that was the context. She was offering them drinks to her, what she said, you know, and then Beyonce's publicist has to come out. Like this, it's just... A lot is going on in this game in 2019. It's scary times. I just think going forward, Lana Del Rey, like, make it make sense. Like, it's not, it's not that deep for you to cry and throw your chair, your tantrum. You know, you're being a diva here, and it's just, it's telling on yourself, isn't it? And I don't want people again the context misogyny. If this was Kanye West, if this was Jay Z, if this was a man doing the same antics, I would have that same energy because it's childish it's pathetic and it's happened in the past as well men have called out Craig Kanye in particular he's done it countless times it's pathetic it is pathetic J um J Cole gets called the most boring rapper ever every single time his album comes out every single time a publication will say something as much praise as he gets is as much criticism does he say anything doesn't give a shit do you know what I mean or if he does he doesn't vocalize that because he knows his work Lana you know your work what it means to you that's all that matters, isn't it? Isn't it? It should be all that matters, mm. really and truly. But um, yeah, I just think it's it highlights the scary 
place that journalists and content creators who critique both artists and people in the entertainment business um, forget the lights of Paris Hilton because... <laughs> and I forget the likes around. of the shade room because that's different. You're not journalists, bloggers, but mm. and then they they know what they're getting into. Almost they want that smoke. Almost, but like someone writing a a a, a very fair mm. album review, and you're getting. I just don't get it. Mm. What is going on, Lada? Promote the album. That's it. But yeah. yeah, anyway, go on. What do you think about this, if anything? No, I was interested to hear your opinion because obviously you're a journalist and um, like we've spoken about before, you're on quite a few artists' wiki- Wikipedia page. <laughs> so, yeah. Scary times, so, yeah, yeah. Scary times. I kind of just wanted to hear what, what you thought about it. Um, <sighs> I guess for me, I'm of the same vein. Um, obviously, I'm not a journalist, but at the same time, I do comment on artists quite a lot. I you mean, do. this is this is a platform that does comment on artists every week. Um, so I can understand the idea of like being upset when someone talks about you. Because um, of course you are connected to the brand of being the artist and your music comes directly from you mm. occasionally. I mean, you have ghostwriters and stuff, not to make any comments. Um, but at the same time, like... I feel like Lana Del Rey is being very childish and she's definitely sh- showing that she's spoiled when it comes to reviews. Mm, um, the fact that mm. someone could actually just say one bad thing about her and she's reacting like this is really, really immature. Um, and to be completely honest, I'm not a fan of Lana Del Rey's music either. Um, I just don't like her sound. Um, and it's not for me personally. Um, it's for someone else. It's, she definitely has an audience, mm. um, but I don't like her music. Um and I think I love the vim that came. With, I don't like her, <laughs> but, like, no, but I think it's fine to say that. Yeah, it is. It's definitely it's, fine. It's fine. Um, and what what I'm not saying is Lana Del Rey is wrong. So in terms of um, her saying that her music is good or that mm. the review is incorrect, she can be right in her vein. Um, but at the same time, reviewers are there to uphold the standard of music. They're there to make sure that people can't just get away with releasing bullshit mm. and then the industry just has to accept it because there's no I don't want to say gatekeepers but there's no one there to actually make sure that the music is quality or to actually review it so that it can be pushed out and have that five out of five by Rolling Stones or five out of phones five out of five by whoever um so reviewers are definitely important to the music industry um you do have people that are quite biased and stuff and um do things for entertainment so you can you do have to be careful with who you listen to yeah um but at the same time when you do get a reviewer like Anne, for example, I think it is quite important that you just take it on the chin. Um, mm. It doesn't change the fact that your fans might enjoy it. Mm. It doesn't change the fact that you enjoy the music. Um, I'm going to quote an essay. Um, if you're an English graduate, you might remember this essay. Um, it's called Roland Barthes, Roland Barthes, The Death of the Author. And it's kind of similar in, a, Ooh, it's in a similar vein. Um, so basically, Death of the Author is about writing so he kind of argues the idea that once you write something and release it to the world it doesn't belong to you anymore it belongs to the person who interprets it sorry um and they create their own version of the story you can't then say as the originator the writer that that is incorrect Mm. because they've from their own experiences drawn inspiration from your story and created their own version of it in their heads Mm. um and it's very similar in music when you release something um people won't like it People will say that you've done this, you've done that. And they may be incorrect to you. They may be wrong, but at the same time, that is their opinion. And I feel like a lot of people need to accept that once you release your music, it's out there for people to interpret. 
you once you receive a bad review or you receive um, bad comments about it, it's not nice to see because obviously you've put everything into it creatively. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Mm. And like life is like that. The game is literally, literally the game. So I understand why Lana's angry. I mean, to begin with, when people listen to this podcast and were giving us like things to improve on. We received like loads of things. Like I remember someone, when we first released the episode, someone was like, speak directly into the mic. I like voices with bass. So there was definitely Vim there, but like you take it on the chin <laughs> and do. now I speak directly into the mic and I make sure that I speak clearly so people can understand me. Yep. You take the things from the review that you may recognize as things you need to improve on mm-hmm. and you just make sure next time you do it better. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I would say Lana needs to do. But at the same time, stop fucking crying. Like- I've babied you enough in that whole speech, but honestly, you're a big woman and like, come on, behave yourself because what are you doing? You're on the internet, embarrassing your brand, embarrassing the people who actually enjoy your music. And it's 2019. Like, do you see how many tweets, bloggers and people there are that you can become a, no, actually, let me not say that, but it's a review at the end of the day. It's one review out of how many you're going to receive. Honestly, You're one of the biggest artists on the planet right now. You're one of the biggest artists. Like, honestly, Facts. I don't understand why you're doing this. Maybe it was publicity or something along those lines or, or just a stunt of some kind. But honestly, you're, be- you're better than that. Mm. But yeah, that's it's weird. And I think even like you mentioned something really important, I think with the, uh, the critique that kind of came with the industry and I think something you said about some people being able to like get paid and stuff and like it echoes what Trisha Romano um said in terms of that he's trisha romano so the comment that long thread that I read. Uh, okay. so basically she um specifies that music writing is a dying art and i definitely believe her in that mm. aspect we've got the likes of um no jumper podcast um and what's his name academics there was a piece on okay player at the end of last year about um journalism and the changing face of journalism right now and people mistitling people as journalists and people getting paid pr to push this product and talk about how great this product is um or um project and takashi 69 and academics we all know there was a partnership there um it's interesting because it is a dying form so when you've got the likes of Am powers being very nuanced taking her time in the way this this world works now the 24-hour cycle of journalism now it's really interesting that you don't even take the time to contextualize that she's taken so much time into these layers that that review is layered as fuck Mm. like it's so layered down to to vocal styles down to reverb down to like all these intricate levels of song creation she's ted she's taken days and nights to probably write that it's hard to construct a review and even with me with iggy azalea i acknowledge that the pen wherever it's coming from if it's her because i do believe she can she can write a bar or two Mm. now she's developed but she definitely there's definitely help like with like with most rappers is help but I acknowledge that it was solid. Her pen has got better from what I heard. The pen has got better. It was just everything around and the topic focus that wasn't particularly good. And that's what you do with nuance. You acknowledge the good, the bad, the ugly, if yeah. there is ugly. And then you just compartmentalize that into the times that we're in. So I contextualize with that. And Anne did an amazing job of doing that. So it's just, it's a, the fact that she's one of a few crop of music writers and commentators and stuff that actually practice the origins of that, that kind of practice and upholds it. She's a, she's a person that's upholding that standard, that weight of, of music reviewers and critics and holding this steam of the, the kind of field. 
and you throw that back in her face, that's disrespect. Mm. That is disrespect. Because she didn't throw the projects back in your face and say, that's garbage. I'm not going to even give it context or anything because that's garbage because it's underage. She gave it the respect it deserves. It's ego. It's definitely ego. It's ego. It's, it, it's, it's the ego that got to play. And it's unfortunate that a lot of artists are now showing that mm. um, and telling on themselves the tweet doesn't have to be tweeted. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could have shown that to your mom. Oh, no, we're not doing yeah. that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Your mom. Oh, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your, fr- your best friend, group chat. So, guys, do you think I'm kind of out of line and that kind of maybe echoes that Lana Del Rey either doesn't utilize the good people in her life that keep her grounded or in this moment anyway because she might have in the past which just blocked her from tweeting before but or that she simply doesn't have them mm. in her life which we'll get onto later with other people but it's it's just interesting times isn't it but very interesting I'm actually glad it came up because it's just talking about journalism and mm. all that and it's just it's an interesting one but we'll move to someone younger Someone, not a shade, just someone younger who's doing great things, bit of controversy again, not on his behalf. We'll go to Little Nas X. So as you know, we've spoken about him a lot during this podcast. Um, Actually, I feel like we've had one of the best in terms of documenting his path. Mm. Like, so we were like, oh my God, is it going to hit number one? Country charts dilemma, mm. all that. And we didn't know this would evolve into this. So yeah. he's winning. Panini just premiered, which is a great visual. Sky Jackson's in it. Um, and it seeks to be climbing back up the charts um, to its original position. I think it hit top 20 when it first came out. So that's a bit of what he's doing successfully, but he actually took some time to do some TV now. So he was a part of the show, The Shop, which is a HBO um, special, which uh, has been running for a few seasons now. It basically involves a couple of people, predominantly guys from the clips I've seen, the likes of LeBron James of Grace there um, before... Um, I think I've seen two chains on it before as well. But yes, basically celebrities and people from behind the scenes as well come into this um, either barbershop aesthetic or kind of just a cool relaxed environment with chairs and stuff and talk their talk about issues, careers, how they got to where they are, what impacts them, culture, the lot, that kind of style chat show. So what happened with Lil Nas? He was joined by the likes of Kevin Hart. And there was a discussion about, um, if you don't know, he decided to come out um, during the end of Pride Month earlier this year with um, his coming out kind of thing, saying that he is gay and he just loves his fans and all that kind of stuff like that. And um, yeah, he was this clip kind of delves further into that decision. So... The guys on the panel, unfortunately, I don't have everyone who was on the episode, just the article I'm reading from doesn't have it, but Kevin Hart was one of the people. Um, So someone else in the chair, I'll try and get the name when Eden dissects his opinion, um, mentioned, why did you come out at that time? Why did you feel the need to do that? Um, So come out at the peak of his career, basically, to date. So when um, Old Town Road was still number one, as a part of its longing standing record as number one. So Kevin Hart interjects and says, he's gay, so what? Like literally, like he literally just says, he's gay, so what? Like, you know how he talks. So um, yeah, like he interjects and shrugs his shoulders, leans back into his, sorry, leans back. I actually physically did that. So I'm speaking into the mic, I'm speaking into the mic, um, leans back. And says, he's gay, so what? Like, and then, um, oh God, this episode is probably going to be called that now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so <laughs> Little Nas X, sorry guys, Little Nas X returns to the question after Kevin Hart's utterance and says, <laughs> it's, um, he says def- uh, definitively, 
um, it's not like that. It's, uh, it's like being forced. He said, um, it's just knowing that growing up, I'm growing up to hate that shit. <clears throat> so he's talking about why he came out and the importance of that message. Hart then broke into arcs what Nas was saying. And he was taught to hate as a child to, um, which Nas X kind of responds. He was taught to hate gay people, homosexuality. Uh, if you really come from the hood, uh, you know, come on now. For me, the cool dude with the song on the top of everything to say this any other time. I'm doing this for attention in my eyes. But um, if you're doing this when you're at the top, you know, it's for real. So basically, little Nas X is saying that he did it at the top because he knows he had the most to lose potentially uh, within the constructs of this society. So he said that he came out to just, because it was all on the line. He was like, this is the time. I feel like it's the time to just say so that people have the inspiration to kind of know that you can still be successful and still live, uh, just live as how you want to live. Uh, even if you are gay. Um, so yeah, he came out and discussed it on the show. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of backlash um, following from Kevin Hart's perspective. Um, so Xavier Pope said, uh, quoted Kevin Hart and said, you're gay, so what? <laughs> and said, little Nas X checked him on that quick. Uh, Jesse Wu, a popular influencer and social media star says, I really wish little Nas X wasn't interrupted while trying to express his reasoning here. Uh, Rain of April, um, who is on Twitter as well. She actually was a part of Oscar's So White, uh, a cultural commentator uh, and diversity and inclusion advocate. So she specified um, on this whole kind of ex ex uh, back and forth that Kevin attempting to come off as enlightened one here when he literally lost the biggest job of his life so she talked about the Oscars here the presenting gig due to homophobia is big jokes so yeah there was just a lot of commentary um what are your thoughts on this Eads McKenzie uh so in regards to this topic it's quite interesting that it came around this time um, because last week there was a discussion on Twitter in UK black Twitter about it. And it was like, it's definitely gaslighting. Um, it was a conversation about if homose no, not homosexuality, if homophobia exists in the black barbershop. Um, and a lot of people were doubting it. There was one particular person who said it doesn't exist. And, um, there was a lot of topic, there was a lot of conversation, sorry, about, um, how people are basically making up their experiences. And I just find it very interesting. And it's kind of ironic that that happened around the same time uh, where Kevin Hart is going on a show and acting like um, Lil Nas X being gay isn't something that could possibly hinder his career. Mm. Um, and um, it wasn't very brave of him to actually come out and not hide his truth. Um, and I have a bit of an issue with that. I have a lot of an issue with that, sorry. Um, the fact that people will make comments about um, the LGBTQ community and then when it comes to the topic, they'll act like it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. So Kevin Hart in particular, um, I think Nick said it already, he previously got in trouble um, for tweets that he released a few years ago where he said he would beat the gay out of his son. So... I have a question for Kevin Hart. If it's not something that someone needs to come out about, wouldn't they need to worry that their father would potentially beat it out of them if they actually said something? Mm. And 
I just, I just feel like I, people don't make sense. And it's very irritating for me to actually listen to this because I have a few friends from the LGBTQ community, not to say that that should be a reason why you actually defend people when they go through things like this. Um, but it's annoying for me because I just, I just feel like people are just being stupid for no reason. I just feel like people hide behind all of these, like these false truths, these worlds where um, homophobia doesn't exist or um, where racism doesn't exist. If you want to go that deep, and I just feel like we need to do better as a community, as a black community. Um, if you're a black straight male listening to this, you need to do better. Um, you need to make sure that you can have these types of conversations without pretending it doesn't exist. Um, and that's really, I think that's all there is to it, to be honest. I think it was very uncomfortable to watch Lil Nas X sitting there with four other men acting like him doing it was unnecessary. Um, there's a little kid probably in America somewhere looking at little Nas X, the person who's on the billboard, um, number one, um, ahead of Mariah Carey, the Mariah Carey, who broke her record for 19 weeks straight. And he came out and that is something big. That's like when uh, Michael Jackson went on MTV or um, all of these like acclaimed things that black artists have done that we as black men, black women, um, we look towards and we use as fuel to make sure we can do them. And I just feel like it's a bit like, why still someone shine? Why just come in here and make someone feel uncomfortable for who they are? It just really, really baffles me and irritates me. I'm just like, mm. we're actually big people. <laughs> like, like we're actually like- well, Kevin Hart, is it? Call us man's man, sure. I'm joking, I'm joking. Do you know what? Let's not do that. <laughs> Uh, no, I meant I, I did mean something else, but you know, it was yeah. a nice wordplay as well. <laughs> you know, Kevin Hart has, sorry to inject you. Nah, cool. um, Kevin Hart has a small ego mm. or actually quite big. What am I talking about? He's got quite a big ego. So we're not big people. Having a big ego means you're a small kid, basically. Mm. So um, he is all about self in terms of every promotional opportunity. And I've always had a kind of taste in my mouth that's always like don't really like Kevin Hart like that. Mm. His persona is just a bit of an odd one to me. Just a little bit like, oh, he's for self. He's selfish. Yep. Like, do you know what I mean? He loves himself so much. There was a thing where he was like, I'm the best comedian in the world. Like he said, I think he said it on The Breakfast Club. He was like, I'm the best comedian. Like, you know, doesn't, if these other comedians are hating on me, like I'm Kevin Hart. That's why they do it. I got Madison Square Garden. That's why I'm the Kevin Hart. He did this whole spiel. And Kevin, you know, you're funny to some people. You're not that <laughs> funny to me. You're not that funny to me, laddie. And those films are the same character, the same plot, mm. just a different costume. Mm. That's what the difference is. But yeah, anyway, I digress. I think Kevin was using this moment to really try and detract from his controversy in the past. Um, and just kind of reassert that he he was trying to overprove that he's changed almost because of all the backlash to Oscar the Oscar opportunity that he lost. So forth, so forth. So that's all I think it was. And I just think, you know, little Nas X did really well there. He did he shouldn't have, I guess, had to have done that. It's kind of like uh, and I hate, I, I guess I hate the false equivalence is, but it's it's an equivalence that makes sense to me. Mm. So I'm going to use it. <laughs> it's like kind of trying to explain yourself 
um, as why you you use, I guess, race in your career and like all that kind of stuff. Um, it's like asking a dark skinned woman that, like, why why are we going to talk about you know colorism? Why? Like, you know, it doesn't you know you're here, you kill a Kelly Rowland, you've you've done the impossible. Why? why is it a black girl thing? Mm. Why, it's almost like that. You know, white women ask a black girl, why, why is it a black girl yeah. thing? All this kind of stuff. So why does black girl rock exist? Which happens every single year. It's kind of kind of in that vein. Maybe it's not the same kind of situation, but it's in that same lane of why is it? Why is that? Uh, mm. But yeah, Lil Nas X handled it really well. Shouldn't have had to done that, I guess. Um, and I think, you know, just shout out to him for all the success he's having, all of the kind of, um breakthroughs he's happening and just the fact i think that he kind of doesn't let let that define him although he kind of announced it he announced it because it's a fact but he announced he then he like the, just the way he operates i just like that he just he, beyond that moment he almost just kind of gets on with it like it's just fun and not that not that he's ever shying away from it because he literally announced it at the biggest moment of his career. But I think he's just like, I'm just trying to fucking live. Mm. It's me, little Nas X. That's it. That is fucking it, mate. Like, you know what I mean? So I love that he's just him, authentically him and whatever his experiences and his life defines him as. I'm glad that he continues to be that in whatever space he operated. And I guess in that situation, he was still his loud, clarifying open self comedic funny and it was a serious side we saw to him there almost as well so it was really nice to just see that beyond the fun and the memes and stuff like that he's very switched on and he's very sure of who he is Mm. that's what i love to see in that clip that he was resilient in and displaying this is why i did that and he was resilient in just being authentically him and defensive on an area which he shouldn't, I guess, have to be. Yeah. And shouldn't be have to be challenged on almost. Um, it felt like a grilling session almost. Mm. Um, so yeah, little Nas X man, keep doing what you're doing. Block out the negativity. Um, block out the haters. Block out the haters or whatever. If you, if you remember that vine, I'll put the. Uh, I'll, I'll link the vine. There's a <laughs> block, vine. Block out the haters, <laughs> you know. And do you know what? He genuinely probably does have so much hate because he's so visible, but. Um, love what he's doing in terms of his rollouts. I love what he's doing in terms of what he did this year. Um, And he just seems like a really authentically nice and genuine person. So Mm. little Nas X, man, I hope all the blessings come your way. I hope you get a film next year, um, a character, a role, something. Nickelodeon would be great. Like I think he'd do well there for the new generation. Uh, Disney, maybe Disney streaming platform or something. Um, But yeah, he's going to do a lot of things. I think he's got the charisma to really transcend into so many different things he's already proven that he can do tiktok you know so he's 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 definitely a character so i'm intrigued with little nas x i'm intrigued to watch his career and how it unfolds but yeah charisma um last but not least uh all right it's that time i wish shoppe was here right now um hopefully next week he'll have something to say on this now okay I'm going to let you go. We know, you know, whenever guys, if you've listened to this in episode one, which was the same weaker topic to this same. Oh thing, shit. It actually Zendaya. came around in a circle. And the thing is Zendaya, I tweeted about her today. She wore a lovely outfit to that same event, which we spoke about the 2018 version. So 
Episode one. That's wild. This woman came up and a year later was still discussing her uh, name. Her mishaps. Her mishaps. Okay. Go on, Nick. Nicki Minaj. Like, we love it. We love to see it, don't we? We love to see it. Laugh at your desk because it's another round of what has Nicki done. So, um, and to be honest, again, I really want to just clarify and I hate to over clarify. This is not a misogyny thing. I actually do think she's very talented and she's very smart. She's very smart. But Nicki Minaj. So this week she announced, uh, she announced the retirement of sorts, which came as a bit of a shock to uh, the music industry. Actually, it came as a bit of a shock to the music industry. So two days ago, so this was Thursday evening, I want to say, because I woke up to it. Nikki um, took to Twitter to tell her 20.5 million. Wow, she's got a lot of followers. Um, well, she's the biggest rapper in the world, I guess, female rapper. But um, I've decided to retire and have my family. I know you guys are happy now. To my fans, keep repping me. Do it till death of me. X in the box because ain't nobody checking me. Okay, so that's Nikki. Okay, and that was one of her lyrics used there. Um, we all know she's a writer. Um so Nikki announced her retirement and then she came back not more, not less than 24 hours later uh, to announce that she's not retiring. Okay. So she kind of denounced that opinion. She apologized for her tweet. Um, it's now deleted actually. Um, she responded to a fan who said, can you please just address this retirement thing? You never left us to hurt your entire career which is her and nikki it's us it's the barbs please so she responded to that she said i'm still right here still madly in love with you guys and you know that in hindsight this should have been a queen radio discussion and it will be i promise you guys will be happy no guests just us talking about everything the tweet was abrupt and insensitive i apologize babe so since that she's not spoken about retirement again but the industry has kind of taken a um stance on this so there was a lot of platforms over the night of thursday into friday into even saturday who have replayed her videos all the way from um itty bitty piggy down to um her current videos like no frauds and all that kind of stuff which has come more recently um and megatron which was her most recent single and maybe hot girl summer in some of them as well she's a feature on the remix on um, remix sorry the official single um so nikki has received a lot of love there's been a lot of kind of uh, acknowledgement of her pen, acknowledgement that she held down the game for 10 years uh, as the, the only really visible female rapper in that space for a, a big spectrum of time. Although female rappers did exist and were bubbling, but none really broke through in the way that Minaj has and continues to do so. Um, but yes, what do we think of this whole retirement thing? And what do we think of rappers retiring too? Because um, I'm going to just disclaim that, you know, Hove, Jay-Z, we all know, if you know New York hip hop, if you know hip hop period, you know, Jay-Z has been the king of I'm retiring, but then Magna Carta, Holy Grail came. And then um, his most recent album came as well. Um, and Jay-Z stays featuring here and there as well and giving guest appearances and performing at Made in America and going on tour with Beyonce, having a joint tour. Um, so yeah, 
uh, Eminem's done it before. Ye's done it before. You name it, they've done it. Um, so Nas has done it before um, and then released, you know, the Lost Tapes this year. So, and the album with Kanye uh, on the production last year. So what do we think of rappers in retirement? And specifically then, what do we think of Nicki Minaj? Um, bullshit. <laughs> so I'm calling bullshit. Um, I'm calling publicity stunt. I'm calling Nicki Minaj doing what she always does when it comes to needing attention or um, just trying to be in the spotlight. She wants to be recognized as a legend. Um, and her way of doing that is for her to basically resign and receive what she would have received if she actually quit music. Um, and I feel like in this instance, it's another example of Nicki Minaj not really knowing how to brand herself that well and destroying her legacy. Um, although controversially, you could say um, that Jay-Z, because he's done the same thing, is in the same boat. Um, but my issue is uh, around this period where Nicki Minaj is making all of these announcements and she's being um, quite aggressive in her approach to um, her career. And when I say aggressive, I mean she's making very bold moves that don't seem to be well thought out. And I don't mean aggression in terms of like rage or um, like violence. I mean, in terms of- Oh really? Of, yeah. Cause I mean rage. Cause there's, there's, there's lots of threats. Really? I, been happening for me, I just feel like a lot of the things that she's been doing haven't really been thought out and they've been rushed out. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as a result, they've all fallen on their face. Um, yeah. And even Hot Girl Summer, the song that was supposed to be an example of Nicki Minaj collaborating with these um, new female rappers, a lot of people didn't believe it. A lot of people felt like she was just jumping on the hype of Hot Girl Summer because Megan the Stallion has had a very and an incredible summer. Um, but I just feel like Nicki Minaj is very lost. Um, there's something going on. Um, I don't know if it's a breakdown. I don't know if mentally she's there. Um, I don't know if it's drugs. There's something that is happening to Nicki Minaj that is making her do these things. She's mm. spoken in the past about being blackballed um, by some white executives in the music industry um, and all of these types of things. And we have to take into consideration there is a lot of pressure as a black woman um, in the music industry as a woman in hip hop as well, because there are different layers to it. Mm. Um, but just the way she's been acting lately has been a bit erratic and a bit confusing for someone who has been following her career, like Nick said, from episode one, so a year on. Um, and I feel like the retirement thing was a massive mistake. Um, people aren't going to take Nicki Minaj seriously. I know she has a new album coming out soon. Um, that's supposed to be great. And to be honest, the... Um, the like reels that I saw, so like the reels of all of her songs and her her music videos and stuff across time, proved to me that actually I am I do enjoy her music. Um, I saw Your Love, which I love when it came out. I remember I was doing work experience when that song came out. Mm. Um, let me just think. Uh, what else do I like? Freedom. I love that song. I love Freedom. Um, I love the music video as well. Looking us, I wasn't too big on because the verse on that wasn't that great, but the cadence was great. Um, what else is there? There's loads of Nicki Minaj songs. I know we come across as Nicki Minaj haters. And as Nick said, we're not. Nick has said in the past that he wants the best for Nicki Minaj. Genuinely. Chope has said in the past, he wants the best for Nicki Minaj. In terms of catalog, I think we've all just said that there isn't a legendary album there. We've all individually said that. Um, but it just seems like she doesn't want the best for Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj is trying to destroy her career. Mm. I don't understand why. Um, and I'm slightly worried for her. Um, very, mm. very worried. There is something going on that she yeah. isn't talking about. Yeah. Um, that's me being empathetic. This is me being completely honest. Nicki Minaj, can you just 
stop this shit because honestly, I am fucking tired of talking about this woman every single fucking week. Like, she makes the agenda if every single week. If it's not her, it's Kodak Black. And honestly, I've... I, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not even laughing at Kodak Black. I'm laughing at the fact that... It's, it's facts. A mess. It's, it's a mess. It's facts. It's a mess. And I'm honestly just really exhausted because I don't have an issue with Nicki Minaj. This show hasn't made me have an issue with Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj has made me have an issue <laughs> with Nicki Minaj. And honestly, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> I just feel oh. like I, I just I feel like next season we need to say no Nicki Minaj. Yeah, like it's a rule. Like it's a rule because I, I feel like even when we put this shit out, people are gonna be like again, exactly again. Like I'm tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning back in my chair. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. My tropical has run out. I'm tired. I am tired. Okay. So that's where I'm at currently. Nicki Bloody Minaj, hell. you need to do something different. Um, get a new PR team, get a new team completely. I know you fired some of your people from your team recently. Yeah, she did before. But, She's done this like last year or something. But the people around you aren't great. It's, it's either the people or it's you. Um, and I think it's you, to be honest. I do think it's you. I think you have an inflated ego. You don't know how to deal with people. You want people to worship you without questioning your talent. Um, and you're just a mess as an act. Unfortunately, um, I do hope you bounce back because as I said, you were in the era where you were the only female MC in a very male dominated space. Yeah. Um, although whether or not you were helpful during that era, there's a lot of questions surrounding that. But equally at the same time, I do think that you need to do something different. You mm. need to mm. go out there and go on a radio show and actually admit what's going on because a lot of things just aren't adding up. Mm. Like honestly, really and truly, I am fed up of Nicki Minaj. I'm done. I'm actually He looks done. tired. I'm actually well. finished. Like he's finished. The mic's done. Yeah, that's he's finished. That's the last thing I want to say about Nicki Minaj for the rest of this season. What episode Literally, are we on? Literally, what is it episode eight? Okay. So episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Nicki Minaj ever again. Like ever again. Same. If yeah. next time we have a Nicki Minaj topic, I'm just going to tap the mic. I'm just going to go and that's it. Yeah. Because I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And I have to introduce this. So I have to really get into the crux of it, read these things and really get into it as, as much as the other two read as well. But Nicki Minaj, with, with me, it's again, sit, me and Eden are aligned here. So it's like with Nicki, the last album, I really wanted it. I was, I, I literally was like, okay, it's called Queen. She has to deliver now because she knows, she knows that name Queen. It's a big, it's a big title. Been calling herself the Queen since about 2012, but still, this is an album called Queen. You're announcing to the industry that you are the Queen of Rap. Okay. You hear that silence? in between my talking. That means she didn't do it. That, that's basically what it is. So she didn't release the album that lived up to the title, which is a testament to her whole mainstream career. Pink Friday was good. It was, it was actually really solid. Yeah. Good debut, great debut album from an artist. Great. Not, not legendary. Mm. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not legendary. It's only legendary because it's your debut album. That's the only reach we can get to is because it's that and because it had the likes of Kanye on your debut album all that kind of stuff you know Blazing was actually all right to be fair Blazing was a like, cool bit bit repetitive but it was mm. cool but um Nikki man like I am in that space where I'm a vibes person and not positive vibes only like not that but like I can sense that there's something going on and like Eden said the videos with your husband or alleged husband to be husband, I don't know. There's something in your eye. And even before he became in the picture, there was something in your eye that just 
there's something going on. All right. I don't know if it's drugs. I don't know if it's mental health. And we, again, to acknowledge, we all speak about mental health in this podcast. Okay. To some capacity, we all acknowledge it and speak about it. I have anxiety. Okay. I'm not making fun of anyone. This is real out here. I know that something up there with Nikki is distorted or she's coming to terms with some things. Okay. The ego might be the fault of that. If it's not the mental health, the ego might have usurped. And that is still a mental health thing, actually, because it affects how you perceive yourself and perceive the world, stuff like that. So Nikki, something is going on that you need to address head on and just resolve because I genuinely, even although there was a bit of the ego in the beginning of your career, career, even though there was a bit of behind the scenes things that definitely I believe in a hundred percent happened in terms of blocking people and stuff mm. like that. Little Kim to be one of them, you know, you looked visibly annoyed on the, my chick bad video. She were ludicrous, even though he invited you to his set. Um, but yeah, physically you looked annoyed that you were amongst other women on the, my chick bad remix that I've always noted that as a point where I was like, Ooh, okay. But, um, the work ethic usurped the opinion the ego back in the, the the coming up days we could see you were hungry you were on the before your debut album was out you were on precisely around 20 features okay from usher to mariah carey you were out here Trace the songs. game wanted your album p diddy that hello good morning verse epic mm. historic yep groundbreaking for an artist with no album out groundbreaking groundbreaking we loved you we wanted that we loved what you gave us every single verse we were there we were watching the visuals everything together in tandem we knew that above all ego aside you were that chick okay you were that chick Mm. and we knew your potential the world knew your potential we still know your potential the fact that you wrote hot girl summer it's not the best lyrically but you wrote a solid verse there's people in the rap game that can have team of writers get together as decent of a verse overnight. You did that in the space of like 12 hours, maybe even less like six hours. You are a writer mm. at heart. You've got the pen. We know you've got that pen ability. Now, as I said before, the place you're at now, the ego or the mental health, whatever has usurped the work ethic. And now it's led into album campaigns. It's, actually ruined album campaigns and it has made you look like you are crazy Mm. okay barbaric crazy you are sending perceived threats which are lucky aren't even being taken seriously by the police and stuff to people who have a bad opinion about you okay i don't know what was in your husband to be husband whatever's pocket on your instagram video i don't know if it was a gun I don't know what it was, but it looked like something of a weapon. Okay. He basically insinuated that if you talk smoke, something's going to happen. Okay. Like that is a threat. And you ushered your man to the other side, but you let him walk back to show the weapon. Something's wrong with you, babes. Something's wrong. Something is wrong with you. Something is going on. I don't know what is happening. Meek, got out of there and he's he specified that there's something going on as well nikki nikki like seriously you've got all the money in the world at this point in your career sort it out Mm. like so that's it that's it that's i'm not even being patronized here it's literally just sort it out before you end up in a situation you do not want to be in we know you came from the streets you don't want to be back there do you like you don't because honestly 
this is this is leading to somewhere very dark. It's leading to somewhere very dark and it's a slippery slope. You threatened a mother last year, a black woman. You sent inadvertently death threats her way. You didn't check your fans on that. And then you were a part of an anti-bullying campaign for Diesel, I think it was. Nikki, so the optics. So something is really just ticking away here. And do you know what? Let's be real. Men who are rappers as well have been the same. Kanye has had the fairest share of madness in his career as well and raging at fans and hitting TMZ photographers for taking a picture and all of this. So same critique would go his way if this was his year mm. in the spotlight. Seriously, I'm off the Kanye train. Like, as in like, we're not, we're not a fan of him either. It's just, he doesn't make the headlines as much to make the agenda like that. Um, because he's arguably actually taking some downtime. I don't know whether he's going through, working through, but he's definitely been less loud on socials as he was last year. But Nikki. Be who you want to be called. Be legendary. Give us, you, you do continue to give us feature verses. Continue with that. This amazing executive producer that's creating the album, work on that. Deactivate Instagram again. Maybe that's the solution. Deactivate Twitter again. Maybe that's clouding your judgment. Because social media is, is a toxic, it's a, to, it's a toxin, you know? It's a, no, not a toxin. It's a form of toxicity if you let it engross you like that, you know? Um, I'm tired, like Eden said. I'm tired. Like, I don't want to bring this up again. I want it to be positive genuinely because I think you have the capability to release a legendary album and be mentioned in those lists that you want to be in. And to be honest, for your pen, I definitely would put you in those lists. Now, as it's even as of now, with no legendary album, I'd still take the shot and say Nikki has the capability of some of these other artists that make the top 10 list as well. So I would still put you there for simply the fact that you held your position, you have the pen, things like Hot Girl Summer be created in like hours, prove that. Monster held your own against Jay-Z and Kanye West. Arguably had better verses than some of them. Nikki, you are clearly a boss when you get there, when, you, when all the components are there and the hunger is there. And you don't let the ego cloud you. You can, you can do it. You can do it all. You can do the world. There are some songs, as Eden said, he's acknowledged. You have the records, the features. You have it. You have the, the skill set. You just don't apply yourself enough to get the full package, which we all, we, we want every song to slap. We want to sit there and be like, oh, without a doubt, I can listen to this album back to front. I love it. I love it. And sit there a year from now, quoting bars. That's all I want, really. And I want you to have a nice rollout where, yeah, if you're angry, you can convey that anger, but don't make it the focus and don't make it a toxic form. Make it a form of like competitive spirit. Make it a form of, oh, Cardi's out, Megan's out. I'm trying to make the best album so that we can all win. Like make it something like that. Like, I don't know, Nikki, man. I, I don't, I don't, I really don't know what there is to say. It's kind of like Chris Brown syndrome in that you just keep, doing stuff that's ruining your legacy that's it and the, the fact is i brought up enough that there's my example from the men's perspective chris brown continues to ruin his career with the outside stuff with the karuchi stalking with this and that with you know the drugs which are clearly in the system all of this so it's unfortunate man 
I want, I want the next time I mention you, I want it for, to be great music and great mental. That's it. Or great attitude. That's it. Let's, let's not say mental health because it might not be that. Great attitude. That's all. That's it. That's it. And I'm done with that. That's it. Because I always feel like I go on a Nikki essay and all this and it's just like, I can't love it anymore. I'm tired. It's draining. I just want to say, when there's something good that happens to Nicki Minaj, watch and listen to the podcast because I feel like a lot of people feel, feel like we hate her. But yeah. it's not that. When something good happens to her, watch what we say because I honestly think you'll be surprised. Mm. Um, well, no, if she releases, yeah, like... If this project look, is If Nicki Minaj niggas or Chirac, the verse of Chirac, if she ever drops if she drops a freestyle in the next couple of days and the internet's got it makes the news you know what i mean and we listen to it and even if i don't li- i'll say in my recommendations i'll be like nikki drops a vibe verse this week by yeah. the way um if the album yeah. bangs then it uh, honestly even if it doesn't and it's got five good tracks i will literally give you those five good tracks mm. to say queen i love llc i tweet this every couple of months llc even though it was this bitch is my son's concept i could see a bomb visual to that it was really good um, she was just bar for bar why she's been about for 10 years, all of that. Similar concepts to what she said, but she's, LSC is great. The song with um, Foxy Brown, a lot of people don't like it, but I like it for the representation of Caribbean culture, sampling of a lot of Caribbean songs. Nikki fired first there. Foxy, not so much in the booth anymore, but it's fine. I love Foxy to bits, what she did in the beginning of her career. I love that song. You know, I can give you a couple tracks from Queen, which are listenable. You mm. know what I mean? I'm not a complete hater and it's not critique doesn't equal hate because we've acknowledged Nikki held it down for 10 years. Nikki's got buzz. Nikki's got pen. Nikki monster. Nikki. Hello. Good morning. Nikki. Your love. Nikki. Right through me for me. Nikki blazing with Kanye. Nikki. E.E.B. Nikki. E.E.B. Piggy. Fucking hell. Mm. I can go back to that now in the car when we go back to the fucking um, train station and literally it slaps. Mm. It slaps. It slaps. I can name you at least three tracks. The song with um, August Alcina, um, no, no love. love. Banger. Banger. Although I don't, Unlimited I, I, banger. I don't like that perverse on that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to front it. But it's, a, it's still a, <sighs> nice, it's a nice track. It's a nice track. It's nice <laughs> on the ears. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's nice on the ears, you know. And sonically, they both sound good together. They can make great music together, honestly. Yeah. Nikki and August Alcina, she could get in her little R&B bag and it would be good, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, we don't hate Nikki. Nope. It's just, she hates, no, she doesn't hate herself. She's destroying herself. the 10 years, the 10 years, the longer that she's about 15 years from the come up days, 15 years in the game now about from the underground days. She's ruining what she's built. Mm. She's ruining this big lane that she's almost created for the new generation, which she could have done earlier if she just featured and put them on earlier because i feel like this is all a ploy now it it was ruining it but she's the reason why megan could win or she's one of the reasons that megan can win now someone that's doing that aesthetic down to the little kim days of wearing what you want to wear twerking on stage doing all of this you know being a loud sexually provocative um talking about sex and all that kind of stuff and just owning it being the dominatrix you know Nikki, you held that aesthetic down for 10 years so that Megan could continue it and thrive. You know, Cardi even has to thank you to OTU and she did back in the day. Nikki, we acknowledge the positives. We're nuanced out here. Every single week I'll say, we are nuanced. So we ain't haters out here. We ain't. That's it. Nikki, man, I want to see some positive steps. You're not making the agenda until it's positive. That's it. 
But guys, that's everything. Um, one thing I want to talk about next week, I don't know if I'm ahead of myself, but I want to talk about this Billy Eilish situation in the music industry and the devil worshipping and shit like that. Um, I just want to talk about that next week. I give myself an opportunity to research it. Shoppe sets the agenda, so we'll see what happens. Um, but guys, thank you for listening to the episode. We really came back and I just want to thank Nick for actually coming back today. Yes. You, you too, man, because yeah. you had brands that stay in Brighton. You could have stayed longer. And yeah, stuff, so. well... Yeah. Things happen, but the episode came out. Um, I want to try something different, guys. Rather than say rate the podcast and everything, if you can do this instead, this would be amazing. If you could have a conversation with someone, um, anyone, um, if you're ever talking about music, just say, I got this opinion or um, when it comes to music, I listen to this podcast. Basically, just have a conversation and try and include us in it. We're trying to reach the right people. And we don't want to do the growth hack thing where we're just like hacking your like hacking the information, the data stuff, and just like reaching out to people who might not like the podcast. We'd rather people that actually like the podcast listen to it. Um, so yeah, if you know people who like it, recommend it. And hello to the new people if you're listening. Um, this has been Eden and Nick. Shope is missing. We are missing Shope. Um, and if <laughs> Shope, if you're listening... We, we want you back as soon as possible. So when you get back, get on the mic, bro, because we miss you. Um, but this has been Don't Let The Stands and peace. <laughs>